It's good to see you guys, as always. The gospel is uh, not good advice. It is good news. There's a difference, right? You know, there's lots of good advice. Like, if Jesus is just this guy walking around giving you advice about how to live your life, he might as well be Confucius or some other guy. We have plenty of people like that. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to us. He came to bring good news. So today we're going to be in Psalm 107. And uh, (laughs) it's always fun for me to go through the Psalms because I can relate a lot to what the writers of the Psalms have to say. It's kind of like it's kind of like watching Shakespeare. You guys ever watched Shakespeare or read Shakespeare? No. I like watching Shakespeare because the people in the play, you know, they'll go on and on for like 10,000 years about the same thing. You know, like you'll have the soliloquy and it's like one or two ideas and the person is just talking about how they feel about what's happening. And I think that's why I like the Psalms so much. So we're going to be in Psalm 107 today, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to read it a little bit in a little bit of a more unusual fashion than we normally do, which is why no one came up here to read. So some people suffer because life is hard, right? Have you ever, have you ever had to deal with the consequences of someone else's choices? Right. Somebody else does something stupid or evil or selfish, and you suffer because of that. It might be a boss. It might be your parents. It might be your siblings. It might be... I watched this crazy video the other day where uh, somebody was in a car, and he got really angry. There was some guy on a motorcycle, like, talking at him about whatever... And the guy backed his car up and ran the motorcycle over. Hospitalized both people. Right, terrible. So sometimes life is just hard. If we, uh, let's go to Psalm 107. Let's start in verse 4 and 5. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but I'm sure you guys, those of you who know me are kind of used to that by now. As some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. And then let's jump to verse 23. I promise we will look at the rest of the psalm. I'm just coupling things together that seem to go together. Verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Some people are born into really bad circumstances. They're born into poverty. They're born into into drug addiction, like a history of it in their family, or it's in their house. They're born into abusive homes. Some people are born in countries where you have to walk a mile to get water that won't kill you. Some people live in places where 
it's possible that someone might, run, might drive into your town and shoot everyone you know. Some people, maybe not even that far from this building, are born not sure if they're going to eat next week. Some people were born in a privilege, right? They have a bajillion dollars. They live in nice houses in New York City or on Elmwood, right? That strip on Elmwood with those houses, you could fit like 10 of my houses inside one of them. We gawk at that. Whenever we go to see Shakespeare in the park, we go to Delaware Park, we just kind of drool over those houses. Some people are born into money. They, they don't know what it's like to not have food in the fridge. They don't know what it's like to not have a nice car. How many of you are driving a car that's over seven years old right now? I am. Actually, I think both of ours are over seven. Yeah, they both are. How about over 10? Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> I'm sorry, 20. <laughs> Older than me. <laughs> 32. Well, that's, that's almost as old as me. But despite the disparate circumstances of the way some people are born, the way other people are not, most of the time our problems are much more similar than we think. It's easy for folks who don't have much to think that people who have a lot, that their lives are really easy. Now look, I have enough people with money in my life, with friends with money, to know that money does solve some problems, but doesn't solve them all. Sometimes, Successful people even, They've, they're riding the waves of life, right? They're riding the waves, they're surfing. They have this awesome ship. And then a hurricane comes. And all they can do is stand and go, what do I do now? Nothing they did wrong. Sometimes life is just hard. Do you ever feel dry? Do you ever feel empty? Sometimes we wake up in the morning. Do you ever wake up in the morning and you feel like your life is just a cardboard cutout? You feel like you're just living the same life everyone else is? I used to feel that way. I don't anymore. But I remember waking up just thinking, what is the point of my life? Like, why did I wake up this morning? Life is just not fair. And look, no politician is going to make life fair. Okay? It's not going to happen. I don't care what they promise. I've heard those promises. Look, I'm only 33. I've heard those promises since I was old enough to vote. And every time, they're empty. Life isn't fair. And God didn't come to make life fair. 
God's not about making life fair. He's not about making life easy. Sometimes we just don't understand why it's so hard, right? We ask those questions. Why me? What did I do? Like, did I, did I, didn't, did I not say the Hail Mary enough times? Did I, did I not say the Our Father enough times? Is it because I stepped on that insect the other day? Like, what did I do? We wander through this desert. Sometimes that desert is lined with trees full of money, right? We're going through success. We still feel empty. Sometimes we're not successful and we're, we're empty. And we think that if we could just have some success, that we could define our lives that way and, and everything would be fine. I don't mean to depress you this morning. I promise. We're going to go somewhere interesting. But I'm reminded of uh, the Gospels when I think of this stuff. I'm reminded of Jairus' daughter. If you've got a pen and paper, you might want to write some of these references down because I'm going to move through them kind of fast. Mark chapter 5. This, this guy comes to Jesus... And his daughter is dying. She didn't do anything wrong. She's dying. I'm thinking of that blind man in John chapter 9. There, Jesus is walking with his disciples past him into the temple. And his disciples ask, Lord, what, who sinned in order for this? Because this guy was blind from birth. Who sinned? His parents or this person? Like, why did he deserve to be blind? I'm thinking of the leper in Matthew 8. Lepers, especially in that time, socially very ostracized. They're contagious. No cure. I'm thinking of the storm. In Math, later on in Matthew, in Matthew 8. Sometimes when life is trying to kill you, it feels like God is asleep in your boat. Let's be fair. I mean, it does feel like that sometimes, right? I felt like that. Like, all right, you came with me on the, on the water. Why did you go to sleep? The storm is everywhere. I can sympathize with the disciples here. I get it. You know, when Jesus wakes up, he, he calls them out in their little faith. And it's easy for me to go, oh, look at those guys, all that little faith. Pfft, whatever, I'd be right where they were. Don't you care if I drown? That's my question. I've asked that plenty of times. You guys ever asked that question or something like it? Like, God, don't you care? Yeah. There are other kinds of people who suffer in our world. You see, we have this real hard divide right now in our country, socially, politically. And a lot of times, afraid to give any ground, 
the folks on one side of this conversation will say, well, you know, you folks that want help, you only want help because you put yourselves in that situation. You made bad choices. Sometimes that's true, but not always. So let's move on, right? There's another part of the Psalms, of Psalm 107. Let's read verses, let's read verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Let's read verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. You ever been there? You ever hear that saying... Now, we, we like to be on our own side a lot, right? So often we'll be quick to identify with that first group of people I talked about, the people like, who are suffering, who haven't done anything wrong. They just woke up out of bed this morning, and everybody hates them, okay? The problem is life is often more complicated than that, right? And so sometimes people don't like us because we did something bad to them. You see, sometimes we suffer or we starve because we poison our own food. You ever hear that saying, well, if I set foot in a church, it would just light up on fire. <laughs> How many of you have ever said that? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard that said to me so many times. Oh man, I would be a rich man if I got, if I, if, if I even got a dollar for every time someone said that to me. Oh, you're a pastor? Well, if I ever set foot inside a church, I would be struck dead. <laughs> okay. We joke. We joke. Because what we've done is life is hard. It's not fair. So we reach out to things that we think will help us deal with that, will make it better for us. For some folks, it's drug addiction or alcohol addiction. For some folks, it's money. For some folks, it's success, right? We root who we are in the success of our business or the success of whatever it is that we're doing. For others, it's having the right opinions, right? We see a lot of that on Facebook and the internet these days. There is the three-by-five card of allowable opinion. That's correct, and everyone else is a heretic, right? Right, that's, that's where we are. And if you don't agree with that little three-by-five card of opinion you're a terrible person and you're awful and nobody cares what you think, okay? That comes from rooting who we are in having the right opinions. But sometimes we just do bad things. We reach out for things that look like they're gonna help us or make our lives easier but they turn on us. Suddenly, needing to have the right opinion turns you into a pretty flaky person, right? Ten years ago, it was fashionable to be against X, Y, and Z. Now, fast forward ten years ahead, 
X, Y, and Z are suddenly acceptable, so now magically in your mind they're suddenly acceptable. Nothing's changed. We do foolish things. And we get so caught up in the idea that we can't escape that, that it's this inevitable cascade of causality that we become dominated by the things that we reached out to at the beginning. And now they rule us. So now they feel like things that we don't have control over. Does that make sense? We've reached out to things that we thought would save us. And then as they destroy us, they become just a part of the background of our lives. We don't have control anymore. They are making the decisions. This is often our situation. It's depressing. The verse that always jumps out at me in uh, this psalm is this verse when, they says, when it says, they loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Have you ever been in a place in your life where not even the stuff that you used to like is fun anymore? I, used, I was there once. I took no real joy in anything. My life was empty. Everything tasted like ash. Remember those guys, um, Pirates of the Caribbean? Who saw Pirates of the Caribbean? The, the one with Johnny Depp. The first one. The very first one, right. And right, what Barbosa's talking about how nothing was satisfactory anymore. That curse on them was that they couldn't enjoy their lives. I'm thinking of Zacchaeus in uh, Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Um, It's hard for us to understand the tax collector from our perspective. Imagine if, this is good, Imagine if China, right, that's the boogeyman now, China and Russia. Imagine if China one day invaded the United States, which would be a terrible decision, but let's say they did, right? Let's say they invaded the United States, conquered the United States, and then they imposed taxes on us that we have to pay to them as tribute. Okay, but this is like the way the nations operated for a long time, okay? The, the way we do things, the way the world does things now, pretty new. So anyway, imagine China invades the United States, makes us pay tribute, and then it hires, uh, say, my dad, or Pastor Dan, and uh, Tom over there, and Joe. And it says, okay, guys, you're going to go and collect the taxes from the people that we just conquered, and you're going to give it to us. That was Zacchaeus. So imagine how not well-liked he would be, Right? Like, oh, and he used to take extra money on the side and keep it for himself. The guy was loaded. Right. Not well liked, okay? A man defined by his choices. A man defined by his choices. Or a woman who had been dominated by sin. She was so full of it that everyone in town knew who she was. That's in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is having dinner at a Pharisee's house and she bursts in 
throws herself at his feet. A woman who had been defined by her life choices. Mary Magdalene. Horrible past. Another woman who had been defined by her life's choices. And yet, when Jesus rose from the dead, in John 20, Mary Magdalene is the first person he appears to. Not men. It's women who are the first evangelists. How do you like that one? There you go. You having an argument with the husband? Throw that one at him. Ladies, you're welcome. These people have, had become defined by their lives, by the bad circumstances, by their bad choices, and they were caught in this place of causality, cause and effect, right? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So what do they have in common? Not the fact that they're broken. Everybody's broken. But the reason I mention these people is because they all cried out to Jesus. All of them did. See, Psalm 107, if you just pick those little things out that I took, is pretty depressing, right? Some people are in trouble because their lives are terrible. Some people are in trouble because their lives are terrible and they made bad choices. Now, if there's no Jesus and there's just the grave, then that's the end of the psalm. That's our lives. You're born in a difficult circumstances. You make some bad choices. Maybe you feel good about yourself for a little while, but eventually you're just going to die. And that's it. It's just a desert. But then there are four verses that are literally identical and they all read like this. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Four times. And then it goes on. Let's read about what he does to the people in the desert. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. How about the folks who made foolish choices? He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. It goes on. He shatters the doors of bronze. Cuts in two the bars of iron. These are folks trapped by law, right? Trapped by walking around. Because people, like, what well, we joke about how, well, if I walked into a church and I would be zotted. We joke. Because in our head, we know I've done bad things. And I know what God thinks of that. And we stop. But we can find something more. See, 
Some people think the Christian gospel is just say, Jesus, come into my heart, then believe the correct 35 things until you're dead. That's not it. There's more than that. Otherwise, it's just a philosophy, right? We might as well just go to philosophy class, listen to a couple lectures, be on with our day. Jesus has brought good news that says, yeah, you were broken. You damaged yourself. But I have new life for you. And if you come to me, I will show you mercy. I bought you on a cross. I brought the kingdom with me. That's the gospel. It's not just hold on until you die. It's come have new life. You see, all those people I mentioned in the gospels, all those people who I talked about, Jesus didn't do miracles to them to prove he was divine. Gasp. Go ahead and process that. Jesus didn't do miracles to them to prove he was divine. Why? Isaiah did miracles. Elijah did miracles. Moses did miracles. Elisha did miracles. I know people who have done miracles personally, like they've prayed over people and they've been healed. Does that make them the second person of the Trinity? No. The healing miracles in the Gospels, the healing in people's lives, the changing of their hearts is about the kingdom of God breaking into the world and changing it. It's about new reality. It's about you don't have to be stuck inside of this same world you've always lived in. You can break into a new reality. Christianity deals in reality, right? We don't pretend everything's fine. Everything's not fine, right? You woke up this morning, you were sore, you were tired, someone in your family was sick. Some of you woke up this morning, you're not quite sure if you have enough money for all the bills. Some of you know you're, you don't have enough money for all the bills. Yeah. The miracles of Jesus are about the coming of the kingdom. A change in who we are. Because life is still going to be hard. Jesus is betting on us. That's why Jesus didn't do miracles for Herod. You notice, you notice in the trial scenes, go read them. Jesus doesn't do any miracles. Why? He's not out to prove he's divine. In the Quran, when people question Muhammad, the Quran says that Muhammad raised up his hand in the sky and sliced the moon in two to show he was divine. You will never see a miracle like that in the, in the Gospels or in the Bible because God doesn't do those kinds of things. Miracles are about investing in people's lives. They're about altering the reality that people individually live in. He doesn't do magic tricks. It's not who he is. So 
Some people say if I set foot in church, I would be zotted. It would light on fire. It would blow up. Well, I will tell you what. If you set foot in this church, you will be overwhelmed with love to a point where it will either annoy you and you'll run away (laughs) or it will change you. That is the vision of the church. That is who Jesus is. We can't encounter him and not be changed. Being redeemed by the Lord means breaking the chain of causality. It means creating a new life. It means breaking into that cause and effect. I did this, so this must happen, and this must happen, and this must happen, and I have to do this, and I have to react this way. Stop. And reach out to the Lord. And repent. And ask for something new. You don't have to be defined by your mistakes. This one speaks to me in particular. I have made a lot of mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes. Hopefully less terrible than the ones I made before. I've had some successes. But my identity is not rooted in them. You guys know Michael Phelps, right? Now, Michael Phelps, he, you know, he had a run-in with drug addiction and those kinds of things. And uh, he said that uh, he was in really bad straits. And then uh, a Christian guy named Ray Lewis um, came to him and showed him the purpose-driven life and introduced him to the gospel. And Michael Phelps said that his problem was that he had created this impossible ideal of success and perfection, and he actually started to hate it. There was a point in his life where he loathed it, because it was all he was. We don't have to root who we are in our successes or our failures, in our opinions. If you vote for so-and-so, You're a terrible person. No. You're probably wrong, but that's okay. If you think such and such, you're awful. No. You might be wrong. I might be wrong. That's not the same thing, right? But if we don't root ourselves in Jesus, if we don't reach out to God and pray and ask, if we don't repent, if we don't ask him and reach out to him and accept what he's done in our lives and root ourselves in that, then we are at the whim of whatever comes into our head at the moment. We are at the mercy of whatever wants to push on us from the outside. How many know that emotions are not terribly great decision makers? 
Yeah. Yeah. But what we do instead, right, is we box off our emotion, toss it away, and then we pretend that we're Mr. Spock, that we're all logical. It's simply logical that I should do X, Y, and Z. No, it's not. We can't toss our emotions away. We have to learn how to use them. But we can't learn how to use our emotions. We can't learn how to use all the things that are part of us unless we are given to someone who is greater than us. Otherwise, who we are will be rooted in our sexuality. It'll be rooted in our opinions. It'll be rooted in our political party. It'll be rooted in our country. The truest rest for our souls is not to say the Pledge of Allegiance. The truest rest for our souls is not in watching a Bills game, especially when they lose. We can only find that in giving ourselves to Jesus. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I was broken, now I'm not. Jesus did that. That's my life. That's why God wants our worship. He doesn't want it because he's some egotistical weirdo, right, like Hitler, who just needs our adoration. It's because we were made to reflect him into the world and bring his glory to it. We need to worship. We need to reach out. Because if not, we're slaves to whatever it is that we choose to obey. So I want to encourage you. You don't have to be in denial. You don't have to pretend that every dumb thing that you did is somehow justified or somehow good. That way lies craziness. We don't have to pretend that every thought that comes into our head is somehow okay, that every emotional response is somehow justified. We have to find a way to justify it. We can simply say, that was wrong. Jesus, forgive me. Help me to be more like you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There's no pretend. There is new life. There's no denial. There is a change of reality. This is who we are. And if you're not that, you can be that. You are never too far away that God won't reach out to you. He won't ever recoil from you. He is always there. Break that chain of causality. We all have those places in our hearts, in our lives, that don't belong to the Lord yet. 
where we follow that chain of causality. X equals Y equals Z equals A equals B. We all know where that is. Reach out to the Lord and say, help me. I promise you, he will wake up in your boat and help you. He's the one who calmed the storm. He changed the rules. That empty tomb changes the rules. So I want to encourage you before we pray together. Reach out. Don't, don't hold within yourself. No one will judge you. And find redemption for that thing that you're ashamed of, that thing that's over your head right now. Because new reality is what Christianity is about. New creation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you did not think it was okay to just sit back and toss out some good advice and, you know, you know maybe they'll get it. But Lord, we want to thank you that you became one of us, that you suffered with us, that you reached into our lives to change us. We pray that you would cause us to reach out to you through this week, that we would not hide our sin, we would not hide those things we are ashamed of, but that you would teach us to bring them to you and lay them at your feet. That you would help us to become more than we are right now, to become more like you. Lord, we pray that you'd be with us as we go, that you would bless us and keep us safe, and that you would make us Jesus to someone else we know. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. It's good to see you.